Hi everybody, this is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, and today I'm very excited. I have Sianna Malchion with me today, who is um, somebody I met through the Children's Book Illustrators Pro from SBS Learn. Sianna, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing so good. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. You have beautiful work. I was like floored. I, I checked out the little link that you posted with your cute little intro and I was like, oh my goodness, her work is fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, I feel like we have a lot in common. I saw that you were also a collage artist. Yeah, and I was just so drawn the the textures you had. Uh, I think one of those partial to everything looks better in 3D in my opinion, but I saw those little 3D, the, the little animals you posted on your Instagram. Those. Yeah. Are, oh, the origami. Yeah. They are so cute. I mean, like the uber cute. It's like cuteness to the next level, but uh, <laughs> I could go on and on, but I'll, let me go ahead and give you a chance to speak. Um, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I'm originally from a, a small mushroom farming town. I went to school in New York City, so I just graduated from Cooper Union uh, with a fine art degree. Uh, I My day job is that of an art educator. I work at like after school programs right now. Um, I'm also a printmaker and an illustrator as an artist, so I work mainly in collage. Oh, fantastic. That's just the textures that you're getting from your printmaking it's so inspiring i mean literally i was like i did this morning i was like oh i haven't done printmaking in ages and this doesn't look very good but i was like i need to do a mono print i hadn't done mono print oh my, yeah that's a gorgeous texture i love that kind of brushwork stuff yeah, it's and it's so unique your work and i love that you are also um a teacher i found that you know, people with your background, they are just so friendly and sweet and nice. Um, so what inspired you to become a teacher? Yeah, um, actually, I listened to your intro and we have a similar sort of storyline where I also just happened to take a student teaching job when I was in college and then immediately loved it. Um, I think it was for a graphic design class. I was a teaching assistant. And then I just kept, I think instantly I knew it was something I wanted to be good at and wanted to keep doing. So I kept taking jobs like that and now it's what I do for a living. That's awesome. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about <clears throat> the age range that you're teaching um, and what you're, if, it, if it's like specific, um, like you said, graphic design or is it like more drawing and painting? Yeah, so I've mainly taught high school. Um, for two years, I taught a drawing class specifically for high schoolers. Yeah. Nice. So, um, what is your preferred medium? You kind of mentioned it a little bit and, um, and tell us why. Mm. Yeah, um, my preferred medium is definitely cut paper collage. <laughs> I think we're both a little bit biased there. <clears throat> but um, I guess as, as far as why, I think I've just always been drawn to um, very like geometric kind of simple like bold designs and so I, I like hard edges and it's just easy to kind of recreate that sensibility with collage because everything's cut out and I like the scraps too they're just like shapes that I never would have come up with on my own if I had drawn them um it's also I think a forgiving medium because you can sort of see how every everything's going to work together before you glue it down and even after you glue it down you can kind of sorry I'm <clears throat> 
frog in my throat. But um, I think even after you glue it down, you can take a part away if you want to. It's not like a watercolor painting where if you mess up a portion, you kind of have to scrap the whole thing because it's all on the same surface. Collage is all these different elements at once. Um, it's also sort of eco-friendly, like all the stuff that I use is scraps from prints or other things that was going to be thrown away. Yeah. Awesome. So you explored printmaking in your undergrad. I'm sorry, this is not on my list of questions, but I find that fascinating. So, so was that kind of natural to blend the two, the cut and the printmaking together? What kind of light bulb went off in your head to make that connection? Yeah, hmm. I did. So I did start doing printmaking in my undergrad um, in my senior year, actually. So last year I started, I had, I had done silkscreen before that, but last year I started woodblock relief, which is the stuff that you've seen and the stuff that I really like to do. Um, and I guess it was just like around the same time that I had started doing collage illustrations. And then I had all these like failed prints because I was printing at home and still figuring out the process. So I was like, oh, these are gorgeous. I should cut these up and use them. And I started doing rubbings at a similar point and they, they have kind of a similar appearance, I think rubbings and woodblock. So I started, I think almost every illustration of mine incorporates some piece of a rubbing or a woodblock uh, print, yeah. Wait, yeah, I love the rubbings because I was gonna ask you about that. I saw in something that was like a swirly little and it looked like, I think she's rubbing that off of something. Are you, I'm sorry, I was just like fascinated. So are you making, no, okay. um, are, are you going out and like, because <laughs> I, when I taught elementary, I would do little rubbings with my students. They love that. They would, we just go out, let's go rub stuff. And here's a crayon and newsprint. But are you like making whatever your like surface you're rubbing? Or are you going out and finding that or? Yeah, no, I'm not making it, although that is a fun process. I actually did that with my high schoolers for their final project. They made, I think that's called a collagraph when you make your own surface and then they took prints of those. Um, but no, I, I just started taking rubbings of surfaces in my house and I, there's just nothing that looks like that. It's like this gritty, beautiful texture. So I, I have like tons of papers and every time, I'm kind of like addicted to it now. Every time I see a cool surface, I'm like, oh, gotta get out the crayon. <laughs> and they're wondering, who's that person on the ground? Right? <laughs> right. I'm like at my grandparents' house, like, do you have crayons? I just, I gotta get that. <laughs> oh, cool. Once again, sorry, this is not a question. Okay. I'm always fascinated okay. because like, where do you keep, like, I, it's organizational, an organizational uh, kind of headache if you do cut paper. Like, do you have any tips for organizing your scraps or like how do you, you know, keep it separated or from rubbings to your painted or your printmaking leftover mm -hmm. scraps? Um, right now I organize papers by size, uh, just cause it gets easier. If I organized it by medium, then I'd have little scraps mixed in with full size papers. So I kind of, once something's cut up, it goes into a different place. And then I have like a box just full of scraps. But I have heard of people who organize by color too, like Oge Mora, the, uh, the illustrator that we both like. I've heard that she kind of organizes things like, you know, neutral's warm, neutral's cool. Uh, you need more space for that, I think. But yeah, I, I organize by size currently. Okay, that's a good tip because I have it thrown in like my white bin. It's just leftover enough of its white. And then I just have been reduced to, because I have a small space, 
I have a bigger bin that I've just been kind of putting it in there. And then I occasionally go back and I dig through, but now yeah. I'm like, Ooh, this is going to get rough here. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but that is a great situation. Yeah. I'll look at it. I don't know if you find this though, but I, I feel like if it's too organized and I'm not just seeing things kind of fall next to each other, I don't, I don't know, I, I, it's not as playful. Like part of the reason I like collage is because you, you know, you have all these scraps and then you see another one and you're like, oh, that would look cool with this, but you wouldn't have known that if everything was neatly organized sometimes. That's but I get it, it is a nightmare. <laughs> It's just one of those things. And I was like, I need to find somebody else who does this to ask them how they organize it. But thank you so much for the tip. And yeah, it's yeah, it's painfully like it's starting to rise. And I was like, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna I already have yeah. like three bins and I'm like, ooh, yeah. So yeah, I, I feel feel the pain there with that. Yeah, so, I was gonna ask. I thought that was amazing, and I am not surprised that you um, won a scholarship from the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators for um, your illustration work. And can you tell us about that experience? Like, how did you feel after you hear? Like, what made mm -hmm. you, you know, enter and apply? Could you tell us a little bit about the process of why you selected whatever pieces you sent in? Yeah. Yeah, so I have really only been pursuing children's book illustration for about a year now. Um, at my school didn't have an illustration program. And so I, I realized kind of late on, I like rediscovered the art of picture books and was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is what I wanna do. So only, if, I'm still really new to the whole industry. And I noticed that the SCBWI was doing their conference. So I was considering paying for it. Uh, they're kind of expensive though. And then I saw that they had a student scholarship. So I applied to that. Um, at the time I only had like just enough pieces to apply. It was like the three that they needed. Um, and they were totally different from the work that you see. But the first illustrations I did, I don't know why, but I was like, let me, it's already gonna be uncomfortable. Let me just get so uncomfortable, do black and white digital. Cause that's like, so not what I normally do just so then I get the scariest thing out of the way and everything seems easier after that. I'm not sure what I was thinking, but I did these pieces that were like my own renditions of Goldilocks, the story of Goldilocks and the three bears. It was like one of her sleeping, one of like the bears peeking through a door um, and something else, I think her climbing into a chair. And then I applied, it actually passed the deadline where they said they would tell you if you won. So I was like, oh I, I guess I, I just didn't get it I kind of moved on and then like three days later they were like sorry we're late but you got it and I was so excited <laughs> yeah it came at a I think I was having a bad day and I was in kind of a, a headspace of doubt when I read that email so I was like oh thank you like this is the affirmation that I needed right now that's yeah, and then I went to the conference and it was a blast. Was it? Oh, can you tell us a little bit? I, mean, I haven't been to one of the big ones. I've been yeah. to one of the regional ones, but um, what did you like about that experience? Mm. So it was online. I should clarify that because it was in the middle of the pandemic. It was their last winter conference. Um, what did I like about it? It was just really nice to hear from people inside of the industry and to see real human faces. I think sometimes when you read all these children's children's book blogs and like uh 
I don't know, are like so focused on breaking into the industry, everything can seem really abstract and scary, but it was like real human people who were agents and editors and publishers talking about what they're looking for and having like cross-disciplinary conversations. Um, they also interviewed some illustrators that I liked a lot. And so they were talking about their process. I just learned a lot about how the industry works and it, it brought me some comfort. I think it's not as scary as it seems. Oh, well, I, I'm sure you'll do very well in the industry. Your, your work is very, very suited for it. And I forgot to ask, do you write your own stories? Is that something you're interested in? It is something I'm interested in. I don't know if it's something I'm good at. Writing is, you know, that's a craft in itself. People spend their lifetime doing that. And so I, I'm a little bit bashful about my writing, but I did, um, I do have some background in writing. I worked as a writing assistant for one of my professors. He was a writer at the New York Times and he writes nonfiction essays. So I got really into nonfiction working for him and I wrote my own story about um, this, music artist who was like overlooked by history named Sister Rosetta Tharp. She basically invented rock and roll, but like nobody knows her name. Um, so I, I wrote a story about her and I was going to illustrate that manuscript, but I felt like I wasn't, when I had written that, I felt like I wasn't at a place where I could translate that story into illustration in the way that I wanted to. So I've kind of, I'm saving that until I feel like my skills are where I want them to be, where I can like really do that story justice. Oh, wow, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I think that'd be amazing because I could, I feel like you already have, like when I look at your Instagram and, you know, they feel like the ones with the little mermaid characters, like I saw some that went in, it felt like they were a series of illustrations and I felt like there's a story here. And I, you know, I don't think you really, you know, went into detail about that on your Instagram, but um, definitely felt like there's this cohesive little story behind it. So I, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm sure you'll do very well in that area. <laughs> Thanks. So who are some of the artists and illustrators that inspire you um, every day? Oh my gosh, this is so hard. I mean, you know how hard this is. Yeah, like, there's, there's so many, so many artists that I love. Um, recently, I've been really inspired by Eric Carl, mm -hmm. Lois Elhert. Both of them just passed okay. away actually, and I loved their work. They're both uh, collage artists, Lois especially incorporated like leaves and crazy stuff. I love her books. Um, Ezra Jack Keats and then Mary Blair, who was uh, like a Disney concept artist in the 50s. I like her work a lot right now too. Fantastic. Those are some of my inspirations as well. And um, I have to say, say um, Eric Carl and Lois Elhart, uh, I read both of their books in my elementary art classroom because it was so like the kids just the illustrations and the story, like mm -hmm. Eric Carl and Bill Martin Jr., such a, a great pairing. Um, I would read um, like a polar bear, polar bear, what do you hear? The kids within the first line could iterate <laughs> very quickly what to expect from the next one because of the timing with the illustrations and the words. Like whoever paired them, I'm not sure who the editor was, but that was like a, such a, a wonderful pairing. And so, I, I really love the illustrations of Eric Carr, but I always feel like, you know, that it's such a beautiful marriage and it, and mm -hmm. I could read it every year. I taught elementary art for eight years and every year I read that to my first graders or kindergartners 
they loved it. It was just like they would get up and they start dancing and moving. So <laughs> I don't think I I don't think I've read that one. It's called Polar Bear. Uh, polar bear, polar bear, what do you hear? And then they, they did the brown bear, brown bear one. That was the first. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And so it's that build off of that series. And then later on, Eric Carl did his own kind of, kind of had that feel to it as well. But mm-hmm. I, I just, I was floored. Like, it's one of those books that you read and it's like, you go like, this is masterful. This is so orchestrated. Yeah, you get really kids up and dancing and just shouting and participating and then of course we do our own little animals using kind of similar techniques but yeah I loved it yeah I know I've been revisiting his work since he passed recently I just checked out like five from my local library and it's so beautiful and suspenseful especially the ones that he wrote um I don't know if it was just like because he's more comfortable with illustration but they're very illustration heavy and the text is very sparse and they're just these like beautiful abstract moments in between the beginning and the end where sometimes there's no text and it's just like stars and then the ocean and then clouds. And then you're like back to reality. He's just very masterful. And I don't know, they're very sophisticated books. I think Eric Carl's. Yeah, I um, I watched when my professor had us watch the episode he was on Mr. Rogers. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it was great. We all were just like, we're just like glued <laughs> to our screens, but it was so cool seeing it and I always kind of like oh I I feel like it's such a that would be tough I, I've not really tried to paint paint on tissue paper I've painted on some Japanese handmade papers that are thin like that and mm-hmm. it's really difficult and mm-hmm. then getting those amazing textures and color blends I was like it's so almost stained glass like to me yeah and there's just that artistry behind it and then I go like oh I'll have to try that sometime. I don't know if I'm great. Yeah, I was just thinking that I, I had forgotten that he painted on like transfer paper or tracing paper. Like it's it's a little bit transparent mm-hmm. until I checked out these books and I saw that you could see the layers underneath. And I was like, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, you know, making your textures on paper so you could, so it's a little transparent and things can come through underneath. That's really smart. I also want to try that. Yeah, I was thinking I could do that in my background when I do the 3D um, cut paper, like that would make a beautiful, like, um, like a sky. Yeah, like something atmospheric, right? Exactly. And then light it from the back. And then you get these textures that I was like, I don't know. I'll have to see if I can get brave enough to do that. But yeah. But I yeah, can't, let me know how that goes. That sounds cool. Well, I can't wait to see what you do with it because your stuff, it's, that is amazing how you think. Like, it's really interesting when I look at um, people's Instagram feed because it's, you know, a lot of people update fairly regularly on there and stuff, but it's like, I could tell with yours, like, because you give some process shots as well. Like, how is she processing? How is she thinking about where she's taking that? I thought that was really fascinating. Oh, so how do you balance your teaching and your, you know, pursuit of children's book illustration? Yeah, I I feel like I'm still mastering the art of the work-life balance. Everybody is, I'm sure. Um, But I guess it's just like making time for both things and also making time to decompress. Like I read uh, silly fantasy books at night before I go to sleep. Like right now I'm reading uh, The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, just like making space to not think about art is healthy sometimes too, because it's what I do at my job. And then also when I come home from my job, 
Um, and I also have the privilege right now of not having an agent and not being like paid for the illustration work that I'm doing. So nobody, nobody's depending on me to finish it. It can be at my own pace and it can just be for fun. So right now it doesn't feel like work. Like it still feels like the play that I get to do when I come home. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, there's something it should be fun. <laughs> I feel like I finally, I used to, would I, I felt a little bit um, um, touched by what you said about the digital stuff because I, I did a lot of digital stuff originally because I felt like there is this underlying push because everybody's like, it's faster, it's easier to make change. Yeah. And I felt like I was hitting my head against the wall. It was, it was fine, but I wasn't enjoying the process. And yeah. then once I um, said, hey, I'm going to explore. And then I found cut paper and I was like, ooh, this is so, I'm just so much happier. Mm -hmm. Totally. I know I've, I've felt that same pull towards digital, like, oh, it's so much more convenient. I could do similar things in a digital platform, but it's, yeah, I agree. It doesn't feel the same. It's not as organic. My eyes get strained staring at a bright screen. I just, I can't do it. <laughs> I love the tactile. I love mm -hmm. like making a mess and then you get a brayer or you get your brushes out and you're mm -hmm. like, it's a, it's a bit of a hot mess, but it's so much fun. Yeah, and I think it translates too. And I, I think digital artists try to recreate, you know, traditional textures and things in a digital medium. And like, they're trying to replicate what we're doing anyway on paper. So why not just do the real thing? <laughs> and here's a question for you. So like when, and sorry, off the list again, but- No, it's fine. How are you taking your um, cut paper collages? Are you scanning? Are you shooting them? What What have you found works the best? So it depends on whether it scans well. I try to scan everything, but sometimes certain colors won't pick up, like neons especially won't pick up in the scanner. And so in that case, I'll normally photograph it on like a sunny day and clear lighting and then just edit the background out in Photoshop. Um, if I, you know, advance in my career maybe eventually I would invest in a professional photography setup where I had a nice camera right now I just use my iPhone in cases like that but yeah I try to scan everything and normally that works very nice yeah well you're I also liked how your Instagram your photos are really nice are you just taking them with your iPhone thanks yeah they're just with my iPhone oh that's great I was like oh her, it's so nice I was like wish I could get <laughs> look at that nice. <laughs> but uh so can you talk about any um current or future projects you plan to work on yeah okay so future projects I think one of them is the book that I kind of told you about the one about sister Rosetta Tharp I I got really into her story I just really want to illustrate that because I already wrote it and I feel good about that um so definitely want to get back to that one. In general, I love nonfiction stories. I don't know what it is. It's just like nonfiction stories can be as magical as fiction, but then on top of that, they're real. And that is just so exciting to me. So I started a series a little while ago of um, like interesting animal stories from history. There was this one, uh, this one chimpanzee named J. Fred Muggs, who was like, a real news anchor in the 1950s on the Today Show. It was like 
I don't know how it started as like a one-time thing and then he was hired by the Today Show and was just permanently on their stage <laughs> um, but stuff like that I just love weird stories from history and so I started that series and kind of let it go because I had schoolwork but I want to pick that up again too and just I think stuff like that like nonfiction stories from history that I could illustrate in a fun way. That's awesome. That's so, that's cool. I'd never heard of that. That is so neat. <laughs> There's so many. There's so much fun, like forgotten gems in, you know, in the span of time. Wow. So my next question is, if you could go back in time and tell yourself um, something that would help you on your art journey, what would that be? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I would have just saved myself time and told myself earlier on, um, hey, you would like this, like you should try teaching, you should remember, you know, go look at picture books, because I, I forgot about that art form until I like stumbled upon them again. And I was like, how, these are amazing. People are doing this for a living and they're gorgeous. Like, how did I forget about that entirely? Um, I, I, I just would have pushed myself in the right direction earlier on so I could have started earlier. Gotcha. So after you've created all the art that you wanted to make, what would be three final truths you would leave behind? This is such a hard question. But I think what you're asking is like, uh, what I would want my legacy to be if not art? Exactly. I need to okay. write my question. That's a much better because people ask me, what do you mean by that? And I know that's exactly it. Okay. Three final truths. Um, I think the first hope for my life would be that I left, a, I mean, everybody wants this, but that I left a positive impact on the people around me, especially though younger people who really needed me. Like uh, I have two young siblings and my students and kids like that. I, I just hope that I would have been the grown up that they needed in their life, somebody who supported them push them toward their dreams if possible. And even if not, just made them feel supported and loved. Um, number two, uh, I guess that I learned a lot. I'm, I think I'm just endlessly curious. I don't think I'll ever stop wondering how the world, like how the world works or um, I don't know, like I, I'm fascinated by other disciplines and like I said, history and stuff like that. So I hope I got to read a lot and to learn a lot about the world. And number three, oh my gosh, hmm. number three, um, I guess that I, I was proud of who I was, like that other people that I was who I was needed to be for other people, but that I also felt good about who I was and how I spent my time and my life's work. Yeah, so those are all wonderful things to leave behind. That's excellent. <laughs> and why, such a tough question. <laughs> oh, I always like to throw that in because I feel like we always default as artists. Like oh, I just leave my art behind. That would be. And then you yeah, but, yeah. No, it's important to think about yourself as a person too. Yeah. And my uh, last question is, where can people see your amazing artwork online? Yeah, so you can see it on my Instagram at Siana, C-I-A-N-A -A, Macaroni. That's just what I use in place of my last name because it's Italian and a little bit hard to say. <laughs> um, you can also see uh, my final pieces on my website, which is Siana Malchio and my actual last name, M-A-L. -L 
C-H-I-O-N-E, I can't even spell it, uh, <laughs> .com. So just my name.com. And I'll put that in the description box as well. So if people want to check it out through the links. But thank you so much for um, speaking with me, sharing your knowledge about the work that you do. And I wish you, uh, I mean, continued success. Though I, I don't think you'll need it. I think you're, you're spot on with what you're <laughs> thank putting you so out much. there. And uh, thank you everybody for listening to My Creative Life.